0: Welcome to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wolu. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. I see the first line in the rundown that you prepared here is just, let's go with like eight O's in all caps. So Alex, what's going on?
1: Yeah, that was how I was feeling last night at, at 1 a.m. But you know, you know, when I show up at, two, at 1 p.m., I'm uh, just exhausted all the time. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm just old now. But no. You got to pick up the pace. Come on. Already. The the streets.
2: Adulting is hard.
1: The streets are saying that it's a series now.
0: It's a series.
1: Yeah. The Sixers podcast that I was listening to. Oh, the Raptors
0: are saying this. What do you mean it's a series now? It's always been a series. Let's be real. Like Sixers had a lot go right for them.
1: It was 3-0 last
0: week, though. It got a lot going. It was 3 0 last week, but they had a lot going right for them. You know, they, uh, you know, Raptors really should have won game three. They led for pretty much the entire game, you know. Um, and then game four, Raptors, you know, handily beat them. Stumbled upon finally the all forwards lineup. Remember, when we were looking at that meme heading into the series of Nick Nurse and like six forwards, all 6 9, right? And him just saying, get him to Joel Embiid. Like, turns out that was actually the whole game plan
1: all along. And it's working now.
0: It's worked in game four. The the, the Raptors destroyed them. And then last night, I mean, 103 to 88 win, holding that team to only 88 points. Yeah, the Sixers shot the 3-4 lead. Finally, that's happened in this series. But also defensively, I mean, they're they're dominating them. That was a dominant performance we saw from the Toronto Raptors last night. And, uh, man, I love it, man. Shout out to that Sixers crowd. booing them. (laughs) <laughs> not not only when the game was... I, I understand booing at, when the game is over or whatever. I'm sure you're frustrated whatever. Yo,
1: you it's guys like, were up 3-1, trailing and, by, like, what, six points? In, like, the second quarter, they're like, boo, oh, you guys man. suck.
0: And I'm like, what?
1: That's a lot of baggage. Yeah. A lot of baggage. But, yeah, no, that, that was... I mean, I was asking you before the show. Like, that's like a top-10 all-time playoff win for oh, the, Raptors. the Raptors. Yeah. Like, for real, though. Like, elimination game mm-hmm. on the road. They led the only time the Sixers led was after James Harden hit his first basket. Yep. And the Raptors just controlled the game the whole way. Didn't Mm -hmm. even shoot that well. Played great defense. Pascal showed up again. Yeah. We no longer need to talk about his playoff reputation. Nope. Game to game. Nope. Like, he's done that. And without Frembley, and everybody just showed up, Mm -hmm. and they got the win. And you know what? I'm so excited because the Raptors have a chance to make history this week. Like, forget about winning this series, like, We know no teams ever come back Mm -hmm. from 3-0. 143 times that's happened. Uh Yesterday was just the 14th time that a team has forced a game six in that situation. Mm. There's only been three times that a team down 3-0 has forced a game seven, which the Raptors will have a chance to do. Mm -hmm. So they've shrunk the odds now. It's a real series. The series starts on Thursday, 7 p.m. Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. Like, just imagine... If the Raptors actually come back from 3-0, what do the Sixers do? There's no, you can't even do your post-game Zoom after game seven. No, I'm just looking.
0: What I enjoyed seeing from yesterday was like the game itself was tremendous. You know, it was filled with awesome moments. The Raptors responded. Each time the Sixers got it down to like 8 points, 7 points, 6 points, the Raptors would come back with a run of their own. They were consistent defensively throughout the game. But even in the post game, you know, and I know we'll get to this later, but Joel Embiid being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need more from James Harden. I'm not the coach or anything, but I might, you know, tell James Harden to stop, you know, scoring one more point than than when Danny Green. I mean, think about that. James Harden scored one more point last night than Danny Green. James Harden led the league in scoring. He didn't he average like thirty five most recently. This guy can't. This guy
1: getting fifteen and it's like, yeah, I'll call it a day. Can't wait to make sixty million when I'm Alex's age. <laughs> They were saying a couple of years ago, their general manager now, Daryl Morey, was saying he's the best offensive player ever. Yes. He said he's a better offensive player than Michael Jordan. Yeah. Specifically, too. And you know what? Like, we'll talk about this later, too, but if Joel B wants to be this MVP player, like this, just like one of the best, the most dominant big man, mm. take care of business in the first round.
0: Oh, no, no. But you know, you, you know why he's not going to be the MVP. And he's not going to be the MVP again this year, by the way.
1: No, but the it's reason, like, You know the reason why is because...
0: People don't like the Sixers. That's why. That's the only reason why he's not he's not the MVP. Not because what we saw last night where the Raptors drove through him six straight possessions to get to the basket. Precious Achua getting him three times. OG dunking on him. Pascal getting by him a few times. You know, basically, honestly, like, I, I what, Joel was wearing his 21 jersey. I thought he was wearing number 20, George Niang on his
1: back. Mm. That's yeah, I what thought, the the, I thought DeAndre Jordan checked in there in the third.
0: Uh, honestly, DeAndre would probably would have put up more of a defensive resistance, man. So I'm just saying, like, listen. I mean, it's it's all about the the media hating the Sixers, right? Well, listen, there's a lot of media hating on the Sixers
1: today uh, across the board. Like, no, I'm consuming Sixers content all week. This this is my Dragon Ball severe bomb this week for uh, real. You know what? The funny thing with the Sixers, even the Sixers don't fans don't like the Sixers. <laughs> no, everything, everything we're saying today, everything Raptors fans are saying, Sixers fans uh-huh. are just nodding along. Uh-huh. Like, what do you even say? Like, since the 2019 Kawhi shot, mm. they then went ahead and got swept in the bubble mm. by Boston. And then we know what happened last year, right? They they blew, like, multiple 20-point leads against the Hawks yep, and then lost the game seven at home. Mm-hmm. Now they're up 3-0, and we talked about them being front runners, right? So after game two, well, what did Joel Embiid say? Like, he was on the sideline talking to Nick, right? Yeah. Like, respectfully, like, you know, stop, stop, like, crying about the fouls. Yep. And then after game three, which, you know, Listen, Embiid had a great game. He's the only reason why they won Game oh, Three. Oh yeah, of course. Right? He walks off the court and he tells Drake, you know, I'm coming for the sweep. Mm-hmm. was well, no sweep. Like, now. Yay, Joel! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> by Go the way, ahead, Joelle, by the way, no, 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 no. Drake accidentally put the Drake Curse on Embiid, so we're we're temporarily <laughs> allowing him back. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, as as global ambassador for now. But, All my chips but, with the dip. That's right. <laughs> dips. No, but like Joel Embiid, I get I get calling out your teammates. I get calling out James Harden. Because he has really struggled in this series but at some point like if you're this great player then just get rid of these raptors who supposedly had no chance in the first round you're in a first round series listen right?
0: man. the series uh, you know what to borrow one of your uh your oh, tweets no. oh no series doesn't start until doc rivers
1: is placed into an elimination game doc rivers has 31 losses In closeout games in his career. How How long has he been coaching? I know he's been coaching Uh, for a while, okay? I remember when he blew a 3-1 lead with T-Mac in Orlando. Not a doctor.
0: Right? No, he's not a doctor. We're taking that one back, actually. Upon review, it's one of those, uh, it's like like the the degrees that UNC
1: was giving out to their players. I don't even (laughs) care to call him Glenn or Doc anymore, man. I respect
0: oh, yeah. that's a, that's a university of Athabasca.
1: Degree. I, I respect doc. I respect Glenn. 15 losses in closeout games since 2015. Really? And he's lost seven of his last eight closeout games. Like these stats are ridiculous. I didn't think we were going to get to this point. Cause it was three Oh last week. We're coming in doing our 10 AM show. Like I thought this series was effectively over, but now we're talking about the Raptors making history. This is Nikki nurse, baby. Shouts to Nikki nurse. Shouts to doc. Shouts to Joel Embiid. We have a series now.
0: How's that possible? I don't know. You've lost 15 possible elimination games
1: in the last since seven 2016. Years. In the last seven years. And you're years. seven and eight. You're, you're, so seven you're, of your last eight. So He's you're lost one seven for eight, of his last essentially, eight,
0: essentially, in closing out the series. Yep. What is the opposite of Mariano Rivera? I don't know. It's oh, not, wow, it's not, this it's is not Jordan Romano.
1: Shout out to Ali Khan from the Blue Jays. Yeah, shout out to Jordan now.
0: Romano, man. Yeah. That's right. But this is not the Blue Jays. Thing.
1: No, but, um, but the thing about Joel Embiid is like, I just don't want to hear that anymore. You're up three two in the series. Yeah. Like, just go out and listen. If the Sixers come out and have a have a response in game six and they win,
0: Mm.
1: I legit just gonna take my speed cap and just tip my hat to them. Like if James Harden, hey, listen, if they win in seven, (laughs) you did promise
0: that you're gonna eat a hat. So Yes,
1: yes. By the way, I was pressed about this. I, I will we will bring a hat in and like with a fork and knife and I'll eat like part of the brim or something. Can I dip it? Can I get some condiments? No, nah, you, you want your hats with a dip? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> But listen, yeah. if, if they win, because you talk about house money, right? This uh-huh. is legit just house money territory right now. Yep. Like, I want Raptors fans, you know, from now until Thursday, 7 p.m., to just consume all the Sixers content. Yep. Highly recommend every single Sixers uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, rights to Ricky Sanchez, uh, locked on Sixers. Shout out to my guy, Keith Pompey. Oh, Yeah. And then, listen, let's just have some fun. O-V-O-V-O-V. Let's just have, yeah, let's have some fun in game six. Because because you yeah. know what they're also saying? You know, they're saying that all the pressure is on the Sixers. All the pressure all is the pressure on the Sixers, man. Is You're up 3
0: in the series. You have, like, a former MVP in James Harden. You have an MVP hopeful in Joel Embiid. You have all the veteran pieces in place. You have, uh, according to the NBA, one of the top 15 coaches of all time, Doc Rivers, leading your team. You have home court advantage. You should just go ahead and close that series. Yeah, you drop game four. Let's see what you do with response in game five. There was a no-show in game five. Didn't show up. And to me, I'm just thinking like, okay, so the reason why the Raptors won game four, we all know it, right? We were all there. We saw it. Raptors went to their 6-9 lineups. We can anticipate that. That's something the Raptors have done all season. Obviously, Fred not being available. And Fred not returning to that game, and Fred was ruled out for the for the rest of the series. It's like, okay, so you know that that's exactly how the Raptors going to play against you. You saw it for a whole half of the game in game four. What are you going to do in that two days off there to prepare to to get your team more adjusted to attacking this, this style of defense? Yeah, absolutely nothing. Literally nothing. Doc Rivers absolutely didn't change nothing. a single thing. He's like, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe James Harden can dribble a little bit more. So, like... To me, that was that's the thing that was demoralizing. I think if if, if I gotta give the shout out to the Sixer fans, is like the reason why to us we're like, what are you doing? You're booing in the second quarter, like you're up three one in the series. Why are you booing your team? They're booing their team because they've seen this movie before.
1: You yeah, know?
0: like they, they know what fraudulence looks like because they see it every single year. And they're
1: tired of seeing it. They're, they're, tired. Just they're tired so tired, man. Of seeing it. Like they don't want to root for this team anymore. Well, they get your hopes up,
0: uh, and then they kind of they kind of take it away. But listen, I, I want to give the, more credit to the Raptors on that end, too. Because, yes. because, uh, you're First off, for Nick Nurse, I mean, like, getting to this strategy was always something that was going to happen over the course of the series. Fred's injury does allow you to put even more slides on the floor. And when you look at the series, you have to give some credit to not just to Nick, but also to the roster builders, right? You look at, for the Sixers side, there are more saying, I'm not going to put a lot of depth on my team. Um, you know, and the depth that I do have, I'm going to trade him for James Harden, uh, which, by the way, as you mentioned, the the Ben Simmons and James Harden trade has not worked for either team. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Genuinely miserable, both teams. I think, honestly, Sixer <laughs> fans, if you told them right now, actually, they probably wouldn't have Ben Simmons back. But to be fair, I think they, they would have,
1: like to have Seth Curry back and maybe even Andre Drummond, though. Honestly. But like, you know, their
0: rotation is very short. I've, I've, I've already said that, look, the Raptors lost the first three games of the series. They were basically a four-man team. Right, and you know, of course, those guys were going and they were hot, or whatever, and guys were making shots. Now that the Raptors have all the size on the floor, they can stop some of their um, you know secondary players. They're, they're they're doing a good job there. Also, some of the guys are starting to get banged up. We know with Joel and the thumb. And for the Raptors side, it's like I trust at least seven guys, right? It's Gary, and then like six forwards who are six foot nine with seven foot wingspans. They can guard. They can rotate. You you know you have um, two off the bench in Chris Boucher, and you have. I guess three off the bench, actually. Precious is also coming off the bench, technically. Uh, and also Thad Young. And then, of course, you have OG. You have Scotty, You have Pascal. And then Kem's going to start. He's going to take the first little bit of beating from Joel Embiid. You know, Embiid's only got five good minutes in him before he gets tired.
1: Yeah, shout out to special agent Kem Birch, by the way. That's my favorite Nick Nurse move of this series. Oh, yeah. Just having him out there for the first and third quarter. Yep. By, like, five to seven minutes. Nah, you know what? It's, a, it's kind of a brilliant strategy. It's also you... you um, enforce a
0: little bit more physicality. And again, Embiid's probably going to score on anybody in that stretch. He's probably going to put fouls on people. He absorbs all of that. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, now the, now the real game starts. Precious is going to come in. And, I mean, Precious Achua driving against Joel Embiid. Wow. That's what I'm saying. You up have, fake, up fake. This, oh, man. You have a ligament
1: tear. tear in your thumb, but you can still play defense, though, right? Yeah, unless you're just th- Unless th- you're just really beat down by the Raptors defense and you're just tired by the third quarter. I think he's just tired. And this is the only thing I was like,
0: damn, I, I wish there weren't two days off in between games five and six. I want to go again. I wish we could play a back-to-back. <laughs> all right, chill out. No, I'm <laughs> serious. I wish we, we could play off, a back-to-back, man. man. I'm serious. So no, no, the Raptors, check the
1: starter minutes, man. Please. We have, that's please, the thing. Please, please,
0: you, please, you see please. the Sixers having to, pl- not you know, play heavy minutes for their starters because none of their guys come off the bench. Compare the conditioning on the two sides. The yeah. Raptors all season, Nick Nurse is like, yeah, y'all are going to play 46 minutes, but there's going to be a reason for this because come time for the playoffs, you're going to play 46 minutes and you're going to be able to handle that. And the other side, they're going to be gassed after five. And you see the strategy they're going with. I think the Raptors defensively works really well. I think the roster building, the, the way the Raptors have built their roster right now looks a lot better than the Sixers have. And all the Sixers have done over the years is just like, we're going to tank all this time. We're going to get all these assets. We're going to get Joel Embiid. We're going to get Ben Simmons. We're going to get all these picks. We're going to flip them for Jimmy Butler. Then we're going to you know trade uh, you know Ben Simmons for you know um, James Harden. You're going to flip some picks uh, to get Tobias Harris. And it's like, this is our team. We're going to really go for it. And you look at it, they only have four guys. The Raptors have seven. And the longer the series goes, like, I really do favor the Raptors, you know, having the edge there because they have more pieces in the rotation. And and then on top of all that, Pascal Siakam, like, look, you don't have Fred Van Vliet on the floor. This is going to really hurt you in terms of ball handling and controlling the offense, controlling the tempo, and controlling the pace. Between Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes last night, they had 11 assists, only three turnovers. And they did such a good job of making sure time after time the Raptors can get a good shot. I think Pascal is probably it takes on more of a responsibility there. But you can see, man, it, it honestly, last night's performance, I don't say this to be hyperbolic. When you go back and watch, he was 10 of 17 from the field. Those 10 shots, all of them are self-generated outside of, like, one or two catch-and-shoot threes. And for him, it's like a lot of these are tough mid-range jumpers too, like contested pull-ups, turnaround over Tobias Harris. Um and these are the type of shots that silence the crowd, that, that stop runs, that when your team really needs a bucket and you put that ball in the hands of your best player and he can get an advantage and he can score. And even though guys are loading up on him, he's still scoring. And
1: dare I say, it was a little kawai-esque, man. Hmm. No, I'm so, proud of, I'm so proud of this team, so proud of Pascal, too. I think, you know, he, he admits himself that, you know, he was terrible at the end of game three. And, you know, Raptors fell down 3-0. And the way that he's come back in these last two games, carry them to And you mentioned Scotty too. Just when the Sixers fans were starting to get, you know, a, a little, you know, finally getting on mm-hmm. their feet and cheering, Scotty comes right back in the fourth quarter with two alley-oop passes. No look on the second one, right? One yeah. to Thad, one to Precious.
0: Yeah, it was really, really, really nice. Um, the first one, which I think was the crowd silencer, was the Sixers, I think, had made a three. They cut it down to single digits. And Scotty was bringing the ball up. And you can see on that play, he realizes, oh, I think it was James guarding him. He's like, he's on my hip. So if I accelerate here, I can get into the paint. I'm going to force Embiid to step up, and then that's going to leave his man open. And Embiid was covering that at that point. And that little bit of recognition right there, that little bit of bravery right there, because sometimes you see the other team go on a run. What you want to do is, you know, your, your natural instinct, let's slow down. Let's get the ball up. Let's set up the play. Let's really, really, get, you know, work, you know, for the shot. And sometimes that works against you because you, know, you artificially limit your own scoring efficiency. Sometimes, especially if you keep yourself out of transition. And Scotty, in that situation, saw an opportunity to attack. And that's the thing I love that mentality about it. When when things get difficult, when our team gets on a run, when the other team got some momentum, Scotty's response is to go right back at him, not to turtle up, not to like oh let's 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 pass on the, the responsibility to someone else. Scotty took that chance and make, by making that read by driving in by throwing up that lob. That got the Raptors back up 11. Then the Raptors get a, a stop, I think, against James Harden. Scotty runs the break, 3-on-1. And this time, no look pass to Precious Ochoa for the dunk. And it's like, you know, the Sixers got to call timeout. The, literally, the Sixers fans went from, let's go, six, boo. Like, it was incredible, man. Like, they couldn't even make up their minds. They couldn't even finish their, their chant before they started booing again. So... Salute to Scotty Barnes. I think I, I, even watching him, he's still not like 100%, obviously, with that ankle. And, and, and Nick talked about it a little bit. I was like, oh, you know, it's the first time I've seen him limping a little bit. Obviously, you know, that's probably where having the two days off is really going to help. You get more treatment on it. Um, obviously, that's something that's going to have to continue to manage, but he's starting to give you more. I thought, okay, in game four, he came back. He gave you something. He gave you 11 defensive rebounds, gave you six points, you know, gave the crowd an emotional boost. But I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But I also want to see Rookie of the Year, Scotty. And I know that's in him. And we saw that yesterday where he's able to get into the post. He's able to score. He's able to set up guys. And that's what makes him special, man. You do all that on top of the fact that he can guard. Like, he was guarding James Harden all of last night. James Harden shot four of whatever, 11, I think. Yep, four of 11. Man. Forget the fact that he, he shot four of 11, which is not a good percentage. He only let James Harden get free for 11 shots. Like, that's great, great defense from a rookie. And you're asking a rookie to go out there. And guard James Harden. Of course, you know, you got OG guarding James. You got, you know, Pascal guarding James. Like You know, there's a lot of switching going on. But the primary assignment goes to Scottie Barnes. And we know Harden isolates a lot. So I'm so impressed with the team. They really came through last night. Um, and every, every single one of the eight guys who played. And that includes Kim. Kim had a really good game yesterday. Um, he had a corner three. He had a dunk in the first five minutes.
1: And then he had a little putback, which I believe the video evidence showed that Danny Green accidentally boxed out Joel Embiid. Well, it's not as bad. It's not as bad as the Raptors accidentally scoring on their own basket. Oh,
0: well, you know, they had to know. they had to give Matisse a little bit of help there. You Matisse
1: Tyball. I never want to hear this guy no defensive player of the year. Yo, How could you be defensive
0: player of the year if you're defending your own team
1: more than you're defending the that other team? That makes one deflection a game. This guy airballed a three and a finger roll. This guy yeah. How do you do that? Ball, I've seen yeah. you play ball at the park. You don't even <laughs> do that, man. Okay,
0: please don't compare. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, Matisse. I mean, I, I know you know Harrison Sanford warned us, you know, in the weeks leading up, like this whole border thing with Matisse, like it's not really gonna be that bad. In fact, the Sixers might benefit from it because they'll be able to put more shooters on the floor. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, his defense, though. I mean, it's not doing anything, man. And his lack of scoring, it's, it's so funny when you go back and watch this game, and I highly recommend you go back and re-watch, not, not just the highlights, not just the 10-minute highlight packs, not just, you know, you know, Raptors and 30. Of course, you can watch that. But, like, go watch the whole game again because you'll see, like, stops and you'll see defensive plays. You'll see the full action. And just when you re-watch it and Matisse is on the floor, just, just do, do a little mental note to yourself and ask yourself, hey, who's covering Matisse? It's either going to be probably Gary Trent. It's probably going to be Chris Boucher. And then you, you you make that note to yourself, and then you keep watching the tape, and you're like, wow, they're never beside Matisse Dibble. They're coming over across the lane. Yo, honestly, man, like <laughs> the the Raptors will like send help way across the lane to the opposing like three-point line. They'll do anything other than actually guard Matisse Dibble because that guy can't throw it into the ocean. So what a performance from the Raptors last night. And again, the job's only half done. That's the thing. Halfway. You, you to, can feel confident the, yep. about it, but it's only half done. And quite frankly, it should probably be 3-2 Raptors, based
1: on the fact that the Raptors yeah, yeah. outplayed but, but the Sixers no, no all game three. Need, no but. need for the what-ifs, because they can actually just win this series. Yeah. Like, they're halfway to the comeback of the century. You mentioned James Harden. If, if the Sixers re-sign James Harden to a max contract this year, he'll be making $61 million in 2027 when he's 37. Like you mentioned my age.
0: That's you if you stayed in accounting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Don't make me regret this. I'm already struggling with the two hours a day. Blake Murphy coming up in the second hour to replace me. Do we, talk about, do we talk about Precious Achua yet? Let's, t- let's do it again. Like let's talk about Precious you know what? Achua. Shouts, again. We don't talk about Chris a lot, but like shouts to Chris, man. Yep. Like Chris has been playing his ass off like the last like three, four games, I want to say, in like months. he the but, like, the well, no, but, like in this series, the like he has been just putting it out there. He looks like a madman out there. Yeah. Like he's locked in. He looks like he's trying to recreate that exhausted meme every time he's out there. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Because
0: the Raptors aren't giving him that many minutes. In the minutes, though, that he's playing, you notice that Nick Nurse is always playing him with Thad Young. And that connection has been one of the most underrated parts of watching the last two wins here. It's just they have have combined to just beat up the zone. Sixers keep trying to zone, right? Because you know what? The Sixers, they're like, okay, we want to play Niang in the game, but we also know Niang is like the worst defender in the world.
1: (laughs) Like, for real, like, it's it's on that level. Yeah, I'm going to check his stats. I'm pretty sure he's shooting, like, 80% from three in the series. But also a huge negative, yeah. Also a minus in the plus-minus. No, he can
0: shoot 100% from three and still be a minus. It's actually incredible. Um, But when they put Niang in the game, they're like, okay, well, we can zone up, uh, you know, on the defense so you can hide him a little bit. guy's saying just, like, drive straight at at him. And so what that means is sixer bench is going to zone a lot, Right. That means the Raptors bench, when they bring in Thad Young, Chris Boucher, their job is to break that zone. Look at the passes that Thad is serving up Chris. Chris is always making sure to cut. Guys are in the zone. They're looking around. They're not, they're not keeping you know uh, contact to the man or anything like that. You know, Sometimes you lose track of Chris Boucher back-cutting you. And, and Chris just needs a little bit of space, and Thad just needs a little bit of a, a cut. He's going to find you with the pass. Chris is showing really good hands. He's finishing around the basket. He's knocking down threes. That connection is really fun to watch. The two of them coming off the bench together, and it's really hurting the Sixers exactly in the way that you would want them to. And for for Chris, look, listen, his minutes aren't going to be huge in this series. He's, I, I mean, he, did he? What did he play twenty minutes last night? I don't even think so, right?
1: No, I'm checking right now.
0: Yeah, so last night he played seventeen minutes, yeah, and, and twenty eight seconds, but high impact, energy minutes. And the only thing for him as always is just like cut down a little bit more on the mistakes. So I had two opportunities in the third quarter there where he was jumping out on guys, mm. but overall the approach is incredible, and I think. You know, not to make everything about everything everywhere all at once,
2: but I'm gonna no, call please. I'm gonna
0: call this combo the Thad Young Chris Boucher combo. That's the Rakakuni combo. Oh, okay, because Thad right, Young right. is just in the head and being like, "All right, I'm gonna serve <laughs> you up all these passes, and all you're
1: gonna do is finish and go watch that movie. You'll get this reference. No, you'll appreciate the show much better if if you watch every Asian everywhere. movie exists all at once. By the way, the Kyle Lowry sign and trade then has netted the Raptors two playoff contributors, yes. Precious and Thad. And, uh, you know, a really promising young player for the future in Precious. I need Thay young, Tha young to come back. It's refreshing to see a player wearing number 21 in this series fight through a thumb injury and in after games, compliment his teammates oh. instead of throwing them under the bus. And that's what Thaddeus Young is doing. Damn. Talked about how this team is so resilient. Ever since he's gotten here, he has a belief In this squad, he's whispering in Scotty's ear every day, telling him how special he is. But forget about all the intangibles and the leadership. Like, Thad Young has been such a huge contributor on the court in this series.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the the passing has been really huge. Again, like, one of the things you could... if, If the front office was thinking about this, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. They're geniuses. They think about everything. But one of the things is like zones, the Raptors kept getting stumbled, uh, you know, beaten by zones. And Thad Young with the passing, you see how often he gets in the middle of the floor, the way he's able to create. And the, I think something that um, um, Assad pointed out, shout out to the Slender Pod. We'll we'll get to it after game seven. Um, it's going to be legendary. But, you know, Assad pointed this out. It's just like, Thad trusts the next action in the play. So a lot of the times you're going to set up a play, you're going to make the first move, you know, the defense might blow it up. What do you do in that situation? Do you pull out and start to isolate? Because if you do that, generally speaking, you're playing into the hands of the defense, right? So much easier for guys to load up on you. What Thad allows you to do is, that's like a seven, eight seconds off from the clock. You swing the ball to Thad. He holds it, and then he reads laws to play to develop, allows people to cut, and if nothing happens at the end of it, he'll drive and he'll attack. And we saw him yesterday. He got Joel Embiid again. Not quite uh, putting him on the ground, but he got him to foul him on a drive, right? So even Thad Young was taking Joel Embiid off the dribble last night. Uh, but... He allows you to set up that next play. It's like a way to recycle the possessions, a way to maximize the possessions, a way to get the most you can out of it. And um, he's been great. Defensively, I thought he's doing better. Game four, I thought the Sixers really made a point to attack Thad. And it wasn't like, okay, so Thad's a defensive liability. That's why we're attacking Thad. It was like, everyone else on the floor is 6'9 and in their 20s. Can we at least attack the 6'9 guy in his 30s? Right, So they were attacking him there, but I thought they did a much better job defensively covering for Thad. Also, I thought, just generally speaking, you know, there weren't as many mistakes. I thought in Game 4, there was a few instances where Thad was fronting the post against Joel Embiid, which is an acceptable strategy, but Embiid's very strong. He's going to hold this position, push off, catch the pass, and you got to really rotate on time to stop him. It's just not an advisable strategy. They stopped uh, fronting the post against Embiid, I think, only once it happened yesterday. So... Um I think the execution of the plan is great and and quite frankly you need this amount of uh, length and and uh backups in your rotation because you know you can't expect Pascal to play the whole 48 minutes. Like game 7 he'll probably play 47 minutes or 48 minutes but um you know 44 is already quite a bit for Pascal. You know OG's going to be playing that 40 range. You know you got Scotty already coming back from injury playing 40. Like you know you do need a little bit of help off the bench just so that your guys aren't fully burnt out. And I think having that little bit of depth off the bench. I mean, the Raptors bench has turned from a weakness. So how many times on the show were we coming on and being like, oh, the new report today is that Larry Nance single-handedly outscored the Raptors bench. And there was like, how many times in the season did we say that? One opposing player off the bench outscored the entire Raptors bench. Now, the Raptors bench is an
1: undeniable advantage, man. The Sixers' leading scorer off the bench had three points. Yeah, they had 11 bench points last night. So Precious outscored them. By himself. Also gifted the two points to, to Matisse Thybul, <laughs> Who, by the way, just want to mention, uh, shouts to Utah oh. Watanabe. Also cooked Matisse oh, Thybul in the final minute. Uh, Utah Watanabe with a perfect game. One for one in one minute. Two points. Mm. Um, absolutely nothing else. Shouts uh, is this Is a Japanese Tony Snell? No, probably not. Anyway, someone in the chat said, uh, is Joel Embiid hot dog fingers? Ooh. yeah that's a good one <laughs> that's a good one but that's, listen oh man listen just 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 dream with me if the rap if the raptors really do come back from this 3-0. oh man like I think the sixers- night, oh like, yeah i think the sixers got to change their franchise name i think they got to re- relocate like this is going to be on joel Embiid on doc rivers on James Harden, on every single player. Oh, yeah. Like, every time the Sixers make a three to open a game to go up 3-0, I'm going to tweet that the Sixers are up 3-0. Nah, relegate the Sixers. Relegate no. them
0: like Everton.
1: How how, how do you – I don't know what that means. How, I'm just
0: saying that for the producer. He's so pissed. <laughs> yeah, shout
1: out <laughs> to our intern, Derek, 27-year-old. Um, how, like, how do you recover if your franchise blows a 3-0 lead? Because it's never happened. Like what do you do? Nah, you
0: got to scorch Earth everything.
1: No, like what? Like I feel like you know everybody's got to
0: go. You got to trust the process. You got oh to train all your players <laughs> and, and tag for the next five years. That's what I want to see from the Sixers. Yo, if you don't get it done now, blow the whole team. Trade them for picks. Trade them for picks. Guess what? You know when they started the process, it was that Thad Young. Yeah. It was that Drew Holiday. That team. They wanted. They won. Uh, what? I think
1: they. Did they go past the first round? Yeah, yeah. This was the Uncut gem series yeah, when, when they yeah, played yeah, the Boston yeah, Celtics right, right. in the second pushed round. They Celtics to game seven, They right? lost in seven, Listen, yeah.
0: if you blow a 3 nothing lead, you got to blow it up. You got to tank for another decade. Yo, it would be
1: full circle, Brian Colangelo's available. Hire Brian Colangelo again. It would be full circle, too, if Thad Young's the one that ends it. Oh, my god. Like, that's, like, the wildest full circle moment. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm telling you, championship is the championship, okay? But 3-0 to make history? That's, that's something, too, man. Man, the Raptors made a 30-point comeback. They're, they're in the midst of making a 3-0 comeback, too. Oh, man. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves, you know, one game at a time. Almost feel like game six is a trap game now for the Raptors. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, just lock in. No, go focus. ahead and win game six, guys. But please, you know what? Please, they please. haven't had a good shooting game from three yet. Eight for 31 yesterday.
0: They keep shooting worse from three. I know. So, listen, they're due, okay? <laughs> okay, so Gary probably going to have a 30-point game soon.
1: Yes. He's no, due. They're just due. Pascal has won them the last two games. Go home game six just have a great group effort, explode offensively from three. Mm-hmm. Want to hear that McDonald's jingle by the start of the third quarter yep. when they hit their 12-3. Let's just get a blowout win, and then let's just go to game seven. Let's do it.
0: No, I can't wait. Honestly, and, and listen, I, I know obviously this episode is very celebratory. We're going to have more like in-depth analysis in the second half with Blake, and we're going to, you know, try to um, break down more angles of the series. But the long and the short of it right now is the Raptors are throwing all these athletes at the Sixers, and they look really overwhelmed. They're not really scoring. And until they're stars, Start to perform like stars. In particular, I'm looking at James Harden because I saw Joel Embiid do what he did in Game Three. That's the only reason the Sixers aren't in the, on, on the brink of elimination themselves. Is what Joel Embiid in, get, did in Game Three. Until their stars play like stars, that's kind of it. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Celtics Nets. The series was like, well, the Celtics got a better team. I mean, Celtics got stars too. Don't get me wrong, but it's like. Well, the, the Nets can make it a series because they got stars. Kyrie Irving and James uh, and, and, and Kevin Durant are star players, and they're all going to get a game and analysis and all that stuff. It's like, no, they end up getting swept because it was two guys versus an entire team who played together. And that's what this series is starting to look like. And I don't even see two guys. I see one guy, and I see Tobias Harris as the other guy. <laughs> Tobias you know, Harris is Tobias the best Harris player.
1: Harris playing amazing. On I'm, the whole, Tobias man, has been the best free player. Free
0: Tobias Harris. Oh, man. No, but this, I'm saying, guy doing more, this guy scoring more as a fourth option than James Harden <laughs> as a first option. It's sad.
1: No, but this is the other thing, and we can save this for the offseason because we got to ration. But the whole super team thing is just not working anymore. Like, look at all these superstars that want to team up, right? Mm. And look at, look at the best teams in the league right now. Look at, like, Boston. Even look at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like, Milwaukee, too, I would throw in there, right? Like, these are not guys that are just, like, stars joining up and then we'll figure the rest of the roster out. Yeah. Like, it's teams that are winning. And right now, the Raptors are looking like the better team. Yep. They still have an uphill climb. Mm-hmm. I get it. Two more games, but yo, it's a series now. We don't got no more cliches, man. No more cliches. It's it's a real series now. And you know, the Sixers lost already because after they traded for Harden, they got so excited. They were gonna be the favorites in the East. They're oh, finally when gonna James break Harden through.
0: was running up the stairs. They're like, wow, <laughs>
1: look at my man running, exercising as a professional athlete. <laughs> But like the, the Sixers,
0: next level out there. Anyway,
1: the Sixers fans—they know that this team, even if they get past the Raptors, they're not doing anything. Like they're not doing anything in these playoffs. Mm. So they've already lost. Night, so, they've already lost, and now they have to fend off being the first team ever to blow a three. Yeah, they got to beat the allegations, and they have two off days to just stew in it. Yep. And then they're going to have to face the Scotiabank Arena crowd and mm-hmm. a really confident Raptors team yep. on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And if they lose, oh I my mean, God. that game seven. Oh.
0: oh, I mean, look, listen, oh, Raptors Raptor Sixers always got to come out
1: of game seven. You know this. Yeah. And um, well, according to Draw and B, the series ended after game three. So, mm.
0: yeah, I love this, man. What? What? Yeah. Honestly, I, you know, I think last week, last Friday we were in here and I'm like, Guys, you gotta have some perspective. You know, the playoffs, playoff basketball is
1: really tough and <laughs> yeah, and I, I really checked miserable. out. Man. I'm, to, and, full uh, disclaimer: I'm about to go yeah. watch everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I'm after a front runner loss. as well. After it was three, I was like, "Yo, this series is done." Yeah. I mean, what do you want me to do? That's happened 143 times. No one's ever come back. How many of those were done, Casey? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> at least four. Come on, come on, at least four. Come on, come on. Sorry,
0: Dwayne, you're a part of this too. <sighs>
1: But yeah, uh, okay. So yeah. so let's do this. Let's take a break. When we come back, I got some clips to play from uh, from a Sixers podcast oh, let's to, do it. to give you the Philadelphia perspective on how things are looking. And then, like you mentioned, Blake Murphy will join us, join you in the second hour.
0: <laughs> You're still gonna be here in the building, you know. You could join. You can be joined too. But I'm your host, Waleu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash, on Sportsnet 590, the Fan.
2: Great daily gambling advice from JD, Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Willu. I continue to join my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. They're playing this song right
1: now in the Sixers locker room. <laughs> there's pressure. There's a lot of pressure on there, man. It's, a lot, it's very hot in that room. Oh, man. So, thought we could get a little bit of a Sixers perspective as well. Let's do it, yeah. Since, obviously, this is the Raptors show. And, you know, we bring the Raptors perspective. Like you mentioned, so Joel Embiid was asked after the game yesterday if he would like to see James Harden take more shots. Because James Harden took 11 shots. And he said, I mean, I've been saying this all season since he got here. He needs to be aggressive. He needs to be himself. But that's not really my job. That's probably on coach to talk to him and tell him to take more shots. Damn. So how do we get here
0: already? The Harden trade was like two months ago. You understand. This is, this is, you know what we've just, just seen here. This is the N1 version of throwing a guy under the bus. Mm. This guy threw James Harden under the bus and in the process, threw Duck Rivers under the bus. <laughs> this guy said and won. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think he's wrong. I think he's absolutely right. I mean, you know, first off, who's asking these questions? Oh, I, you know what, Sixer fans? Hold your media accountable. They keep asking instigating questions. Imagine after Pascal's game, you know, on, on after game three where he didn't really score much, didn't have a basket in the second half, right? If someone came up to the podium and was like, hey, uh, OG, uh, sh- should Pascal Siakam shoot that much? Should, should he, like, you know, like, that doesn't happen here, okay? So, you got to appreciate that a little bit. So, Sixer fans, like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. I, I think, and and Embiid answered it very truthfully. That's where they need to get more production from. Like, I'm sorry, but if you look at the stat sheet and you see that Joel Embiid is is doing his thing, he's got a double-double. I mean, whatever, he's tired, he's got a bad thumb, he's doing everything that he can, right? Even on, Even in a bad game, he still has, like, 20 and 15 or whatever, right? But James Harden, like, where is, like, the – where is the – a baseline of what he's going to do. Seven assists, five turnovers. He has one more point than Danny Green. Like, I can't get over that, man. This guy used to score, like, at will. Didn't he have a 60-point game
1: in this league? He can't make threes. He can't do a quarter of that nowadays? He can't make twos. He's only going to the line drawing ones, like, six times now. Like, this guy's fighting for his life just to get to 20 points, and he's not even getting there right now. Yeah, I mean, and again, if the Sixers turn
0: it around, it's going to have to come down to James Harden. Because James Harden, I thought, played well in Game 1. Since then, I don't think he's been
1: that effective. Yeah, we said it at the, at the so. start of the series. If James Harden, if the Houston James Harden shows up, this mm-hmm. series is probably over. And let's be honest, if the Houston James Harden shows up in Game 6, this series probably will be oh, over. Oh, well, you know, if, if, if there's one thing Houston James Harden was known for was showing up in Game 6 and Game <laughs> oh, 7. Man. Oh, man. Anyways... Like I mentioned, I'm sorry. This, I know. It's the most
0: easy to this slander your, team ever. Man. This is your
1: slander pod prep for today. So consumed a lot of Sixers content yesterday okay. and today on the way to work. And, and one of the best Sixers podcasts, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Um, the guys, you know, uh, Spike, Michael, and they usually have a lot of guests on. I feel like they're probably plugged in to the Sixers. Um, kind of like a Philly version of, of me and you maybe in a way. Um, so, are they Asian? <laughs> no, 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 I no, think, no. Yeah. Are there other Asian duos like this around the NBA? If we can't think of it off the top, probably not. Yeah. No. I think yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. 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 Steph We're, Noe does some good stuff at the Sporting News. Shouts yeah, to but him. He's solo. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Just a lot of lonely Asians out there. Yeah. Anyway, the, the loneliest Americans. Pick oh it up in your my local God! Please, the cover story. Anyway, so yeah. got
2: some clips here. Here's the guys talking about the frustration of. Last night's loss. I I think one thing that we all have to come to a realization about about this series is that we are one precious Atua free throw away from this series being 3-2 Toronto. We are one free throw away. And I know you can do that with any... Uh, with any series, you can do this, that, or the other, and the you know the Boston and the Brooklyn series. Every game was you know close when you look at the scores at the end. But we are one free throw away from Toronto leading this series from a series that we all we all really felt like it was in hand. But you know, like that game three could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. And I first of all, James Harden looks like he wants to be on vacation already. I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you. I, he didn't He didn't even make a move with the ball for the, most of the second half.
0: Yeah, I'm really impressed with James Harden. He, um, he reminds me of before our show went to daily, one to three for the playoff stretch here, and Alex is really putting in work. This James Harden right now reminds me of Alex, the two to three version of our show when he would work Monday,
1: Thursday, and Friday. That's James Harden, man. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they call me Brick Ross here, man. <laughs> I'm the brick Ross no, of, just grow of a fan beard. Yeah, I wish I could grow a beard. I oh, would have okay. done it already. Okay. Um, here, here they are talking about Joel
2: Embiid. Eventually, it has to come back. There's a different coach. There's different players. There's all this, but there's the same best player, and they have to follow him. And at a certain point, he's just got to decide, you know, like I'm um, I'm doing this or I'm not doing this. And if you're going to play through the injury and you're going to do this, then, then like it, just, it can't be sad guy Joel. It
1: can't be sad guy
2: Joel. But it's been
1: sad guy Joel since he hit that game-winning shot in game three. Like, How did the Sixers, how did Joel Embiid not come out yesterday with the desperation of a game seven? Because you already know the discourse that's going to happen if you lose this game five at home. Yeah. You already know the pressure that's going to be on everyone. You already know the questions that you're going to get asked. Yeah. About James Harden, about the history of the Sixers in the playoffs. And again, all I'm saying is if you're a superstar player, you're in round one, man. That's not even the conference finals.
0: Yeah, honestly, round one, up three nothing, with a bunch of injuries to the other team, you have that that's as about as a mint of an opportunity as you could possibly get. Like <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think you could draw up a better opportunity for a team to just come through and just do the bare basics. And and that's what people were asking out of the Sixers. They weren't asking them to come in here and and, and win the Eastern Conference, win the NBA Championship, all this kind of stuff. They just came in here. They were just like, can you close out this banged-up Raptor team with home court advantage up 3-0 in the first round? And
1: right now, the answer is no. Like, if you got higher ambitions, shouts to go on getting swept, like, you cannot be this stressed in a first-round scenario yeah. where you're up 3-0. But,
0: but again, even the fans know it. No, no, I'm
1: I'm glad they're saying it because honestly, at some point, like the excuses just have to stop the injuries. I get like your teammates are struggling, but like just drag your team to the finish line. Yeah. Sad guy, Joel. Sad guy, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, did we ever see this behavior from Kawhi? Like from any of the players that you would call superstars? Like, have you ever seen this? I from didn't even staff. see this from Pascal. I thought Pascal had more reason to be
0: sad after Game Three. Like, do you think the Raptors and all he's yeah. done since then is be is, out, is been the best player in the series yep. in the last two games? No talk. And you know you what I'm that's saying? Like, that's yep. the kind of response I want to see yep. from my leader. What did yep. Pascal say after practice the other day? He's like, I didn't realize that I had only taken that few opportunities. And for me, I'm just got to go out there and take my shots and and live with the outcome that comes out of it. But I want to play my game, and that's what he's done the last two games. He's taken over. He's the main guy. And and look at the way Pascal played last night. I, I know, like, it's fun to to, to to hate on the Sixers. Can we also show the Raptors some love? I mean, the reason the Sixers look so bad is because the Raptors are making them look bad. And Pascal Siakam, as the leader of that group, if you were talking about, okay, so the Raptors strategy, right? What's the strategy? Strategy is basically, let's get five Pascal Siakams out there. Like, the 6-9 strategy is essentially, like, built around the idea of Pascal Siakam, what he's done. Because he's truly become a positionless player. He's running the point. He's not turning the ball over. He's setting guys up. He's showing patience. And listen, when it comes down to making the tough shots, and the Sixers are doubling him. They're putting zone on him. They're putting Joel Embiid on him. They're they're doing everything they could possibly do against him, and he's still beating that defense. Look at what look at he did last night. Ten of seventeen shooting from the field. Only got two free throw attempts. You know, uh, Joel Embiid cries to the officials and like, oh, you know, they had a one job here and you know, clapping and, and tackling J- and Pascal Siakam and. Okay, next game, Pascal only has two free throws instead of 15. Guess what? He's still effective. Imagine having a player still be effective in a game despite the free throws. You you can never say that about James Harden. You probably can't even say that about Joel, quite frankly, offensively. But, like, look at Pascal and, and the shots that he was making, too. Go back and watch it. It's long jumpers. It's contested. It's against the shot clock. It's against the crowd. You know, it's against the momentum of the game. He just broke their back time and time again. Sometimes being a superstar is not even just about what you score in the aggregate. It's also about when you do it. Because when your teammates are scoring, there's no need to take shots away from them. There's no need to take away their momentum. You play together as a team. But when the moments get really tough, that third quarter, Sixers making a run, and Alvin's like, okay, Pascal's got to get you something here. And like a prophet, that's what Pascal does. He goes in the head and, and it gives you the three. He gives you uh, a pair of jumpers over Tobias Harris. And that's only seven points we're talking about. But that third quarter could have really swung in the Sixers' favor, and Pascal said No. And quite frankly, that's the kind of fortitude I want to see from my star players. I don't want to see Pascal, like, post-game being like, well, you know, uh, the the refs had one job to do tonight, and they did it. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I'm going to go over and talk to Doc Rivers and say I'm going to complain about the – like, stop complaining about calls. I'm going to, you know, call out my coach post-game. None of that stuff. Pascal just puts his head down and does his job and leads his team to wins. And quite frankly, I'm very, very proud of the way Pascal's performed the last two games. I think that, honestly, more than anything else, like – has been the story of the game. You're talking about a 6'9 guy without a point guard, stepping in and being a point guard, putting up triple doubles, essentially, and leading his team to wins against a really, really tough opponent. And, and if you talk about, the, you know, Joel, and we talked about Joel overcoming some demons from 2019. By the way, I- imagine overcoming these demons if they if they lose the series right now. No, right?
1: there's no overcoming it, man. I honestly think they got to just trade every single player. They got to rename the franchise, change the colors, no more ringing the Liberty Bell, like everything. <laughs> no, think about it. <laughs>
0: You sad guy, Joel. Change the numbers of the team, man. No, we're 76.
1: No. Be, no, no, more 76. It got to be like the 15ers or something. No, I don't but, know, man. But it's like... <laughs> y- the, the 03ers. Y- you're about to do something that's never been done in NBA history. Yeah. Like, like there has to be more than just like basic off season changes. Like, I agree. Everything's got to change. Yeah. But, but, you know, two more wins from the Raptors will get there, but I'm completely with you. I feel like we're almost underselling it. I don't know why it is always with Pascal. It's like it's so easy to get on him when he has bad mm-hmm. games. Um and I feel like the praise is just never equal and I feel like we might be victims of this too when he plays well but like yeah. he's No, but I'm trying to be conscious of it, yes, you know. Yes. But he's been the best player yeah. on the floor in two straight elimination games. Yeah. Including one on the road. Yep. Where he straight up just carried them to a victory. Mm-hmm. Like must-win games, elimination games on the road are supposed to be hard. Remember, yeah. I was sitting here yesterday saying they got to weather a storm in the first quarter. Yep. They probably got to weather a couple runs. You know what? They had to weather nothing. Like, they yeah. played well in the first quarter, and then when B-Ball Paul came in, and by the way, I think the Herbie Kuna Philly actually announces him as B-Ball Paul when he checks in. Because I heard game. him say b Paul. 6'9", yeah. from whatever university. <laughs> B-ball. Yeah, checking it now. Uh B-ball, Utah. Enter the game. B-ball basketball <laughs> Speedy Delano. Um, oh, how could that that could that be your name, man? So B-ball Paul Damn. checks in in the in the second quarter. Yeah. And the Raptors just go on a 12-0 run. Yeah. They just yeah. go on a 12-0 run. Yeah. And listening to the Sixers podcast, they were really disappointed with Harden and maxi in that stretch. Because yep. they combined to go 0 for 7 in that second quarter. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like Danny Green, like, you know, unsubscribe to Inside the Green Room, resubscribe. Like he hit four threes. He kept them in there. That should have been like a 20, 25 point win. Yeah, know. Danny was for great. the Raptors, and then Danny, Danny had that great. air ball in the fourth quarter in the corner, straight pass to Scotty.
0: Yeah, no, sure. I've ever seen you break down film before until today. You're <laughs> yeah. like, yo, 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 yo Go, go, go sh- pull up that clip. Pull of- that
1: up. Pull up all the clips of Tyrese Maxey when he catches the ball behind the three point line. Oh yeah, and he it's, makes- it's, it's a little different and- now, isn't it? And he it? takes that little- one dribble in. Uh huh. But suddenly there's a six nine guy there waiting for him. Yeah. Still. No, it's... Like, it's, where's the space for Tyrese Maxey? No, honestly... You know pl- what, Fred? Fred, Fred, I love you, but rest up. Rest yeah, no, up. no, no. Listen. Rest up for round two. It's, the playoffs rest are about matchups, you. too. And and yes. when
0: when Fred was banged up, when they were helping off of Tyrese, when they were doubling other guys, when they weren't willing to rotate off of Joel, when they weren't willing to rotate off of uh, James Harden, it looked really easy for Tyrese. He's like, oh, I'm, sc- I'm, I'm one on nothing right now. I could probably mm-hmm. score. Oh, I got open catch and shoot threes. Oh, I'm out in transition. I can score. Last couple games, the Raptors putting his long guys on him. He's like, okay, oh, if Pascal's on me, let me try to take him off the dribble. I can't move him. I can't shake him. I got to take contested jumpers all the time. I got to take runners in the lane. you know. And on the other end, uh, my favorite thing to watch these games too is Gary Trent Jr. is like, okay, look, I'm going to put up shots. I'm going to shoot a bad percentage a lot of the time. If I get hot, we're going to definitely win the game. But no matter what, if I see Tyrese Maxey on me, I'm driving. Tyrese is doing everything possible short of blocking a shot, and Gary's like, I don't care. I'm coming right after you. I love that mentality about Gary, man. Watch the plays where Gary's isolated against Tyrese Maxey. He will take any shot against them
1: because he's that confident that that second-year player can't hold him, and it's absolutely true. Yeah, since Gary came back, uh, and it felt good in Game 3. You know, the Raptors have won two games and lost the other one at the buzzer. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where I feel like Tobias Harris got to walk in that locker room and be like, yo, who's going to step up with me? Like, that is really it right now. Damn, Tobias Harris back on the Orlando Magic. No, by the way, someone in the YouTube chat called me Hump Day Harden. (laughs) I respect that. (laughs) Going to be stealing that one. (laughs) Appreciate that. But, yeah, here's one more clip from the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. They were talking about uh, the Raptors. Like, you put them
3: away. Like, just put them away. They're asking to be put away. They want to go home. Everybody's tired. Scotty Barnes is playing on half a foot. Like, just get out of there. Just end the series. And they're just, like, letting them back into it. Now they get a game six at home. And they get to go home and be like, hey, we, we have house money right now. We weren't supposed to contend this year anyway. We have
2: momentum. Our guys are hurt. Our pets' heads are falling off. And we're going to beat this f-ing team. If I'm a Raptors fan, I'm feeling good. Like, I, I would be absolutely oh, I'm feeling, feeling great. great. Absolutely. Yo, they know
1: about house money, too. Yo, this is really nah, I feel
0: like Chris Tucker in Rush Hour 2 right now, <laughs> man. I got, a, I, got a, I got the new f- suit on. I got the fake money on everything that's that's the kind of house money i'm on no man.
1: i want Massage showing up scotia bank arena on thursday just uh, more is going to tell
0: me the story about the dragon and the oh, treasure man. that got stuck inside
1: every time every time you bring up daryl Moore, i'm scared you're gonna you know yeah he, bring up he that can't other talk thing about anyways in the east no but this is house money this is house money the raptors have come back and made it a respectable series <laughs> uh-huh. we all know it's a development year we've seen what scotty can do in this series pascal's defeated the allegations Precious is developing. We've seen the Vision Six Nine. Like this is truly house money now. Mm. Like I swear. Like I know you say this after every game, being like, "Yo, uh, you know the Raptors had a great season." Like I'm chill today, and then you're <laughs> you're saying some <laughs> Yo, wild. Why are you mocking stuff? my holistic approach, <laughs> yeah, man? Come on, I yeah, love like, holistic. Man. I wash everything everywhere all at once. Uh, but like, for real, on Thursday, if the Sixers come out, of Joel Embiid, you know what Joel Embiid? He's got to play for pride. Like, you got to have some pride as a superstar. Oh. If you guys, if, if oh, the Sixers okay. come out and beat the Raptors on Thursday, uh, legit, man. I will I will doff my speed cap, you know, tip of the cap. Now, eat your speed cap. I'm <laughs> sick of seeing it on your head. <laughs> I'll be like, congrats to the Sixers. Yeah. You beat the Raptors in six games, despite the Raptors having injuries all throughout, like best of luck in the second round. Yeah, But if they don't, if they don't, then like, I don't ever want to talk about this team again. Even if we're playing them again next year. Yeah, fair like, enough. Like, there's nothing to say about the Sixers team anymore if they blow this 3-0 lead. Damn.
0: Man, the Sixers are so fraudulent.
1: They got Alex Wong They're, they're so fraudulent. I'm so excited. Where's Blake Murphy? You got to fill in the second half. There we go. <laughs> I, I poured it all into the first hour. Hump Day Harden taking the second hour off. Will Lou, Blake Murphy coming up. Basketball talk. Oh, you're
0: right. Um, I'm your host, Will Lou. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: Alex, what's good? What's up, Will? Are the Raptors still in the playoffs? I can't even keep track anymore. The playoffs are such a busy time.
0: What are you talking about, man? We literally talk about the Raptors every day.
1: Oh, right. But you know what's keeping me sane during the playoffs? What's that? I'm talking about our friends at DoorDash, who help provide easy access to the best restaurants in your neighborhood. With all of their food options, getting the perfect spread of delicious food delivered straight to your door on a Raptors game night is no problem at all. Will, what are you ordering this week? You know what? You've been gassing up Alouette at the arena all week. So I'm going to get Alouette at home for real. So give me the fried chicken and lettuce wraps. It's it's really, really good. That's right. Use DoorDash so you don't have to only eat at my favorite restaurant, Scotiabank Arena. And that order sounds awesome. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. Plus, for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Fan 25 Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Welcome back to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder: we are streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday between one and three p.m. Joined in the second hour, we have made a substitution. Uh, Alex has apparently left the building, and uh, we have Blake Murphy from the Fan Morning. Oh, Alex is here. Sorry, he's just perfectly hidden in the back. Um, anyway, Blake, you're here, and uh, you know we have a drop for you as always. Blake Murphy
1: Tuesday.
0: How doing Blake? Somehow you're on your 18th hour of work today already.
3: Yeah, I'm a little sleepy. Yeah. A little uh I don't know, the little coffee machine out there took too long to heat up, so I didn't even get one of those. No, you got you know you gotta go to Rooster across the street. I'm not going to anywhere brand specific until they cut the check. Oh eh? unless they deliver via DoorDash. <laughs> That's good. Uh I'm not mentioning anyone's specifically non non-branded coffee on the the raptor show oh, with william lou
0: no fair enough fair enough i appreciate that um well listen something to perk you up then let's talk about yesterday's game which i mean my goodness like it was just it's have you just have you like when, when was the last time a, a raptor game was that satisfying
3: it's been a minute <laughs> yeah i know like, we had we had the, we had the bubble we
0: had tampa yeah. we had all sorts of stuff so no, like, you could
3: maybe say one of the series savers in the the Boston series in the bubble. Okay. And, like, but there was still, like, there was too much weight to it. Like, the game six of that series was just, I don't know, edge of your seat, like... Oh, my goodness. ...biting your nails kind of thing. And then, obviously, it was followed by game seven, which was a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know the last time that there have been, like, stakes that low... You got to go back a little bit, for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's genuine found money. I the, think the hundred point bench game against the Nets, maybe oh <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like last night for the Raptors yeah. bench
0: versus the the Sixers bench. Which again, like they had their leading score off the bench had three points. Yeah, who do they they are the, the early season Raptors, <sighs> bro? The Ra- early season Raptors were They could probably use V. They yeah, pro- they could probably use Utah. Like you know, like they could probably use some help on that end. Which, by the way, so I was saying about it, um, from the Sixers perspective, I was really expecting. Some sort of adjustments from Doc Rivers between game four and game five. We talk talking about the same Doc Rivers, okay? Between game adjustments. I was just told that you can adjust between games, maybe
3: not within games.
0: Okay, it's the old this way. is a guy all, who's it's...
3: barely 500 in series, he has a 3 1 lead in.
0: That's that's quite tough. That's quite
3: tough. Yeah, the, the, we gave the stat out
0: um on the first half of the show, he has lost 31 potential. Elimination games over his career in the playoffs.
3: Yeah. Which 31 is by far the
0: record. Um, Now he's lost seven of his last eight as well. So and 15 since 2016 alone.
3: Yeah. That's a bigger one to me than the 31 total. We had Jeff Van Gundy on the fan morning show this morning. And he said basically like, look, you last this long and you're on, you're coaching good teams and you make deep playoff runs long enough. All the playoff stats are going to like, eventually you're going to have a lot of stats that say a lot of different things. But the 15 since 2016 one is like, those Clippers teams are fresh in the memory. Those 76ers teams from last year were last year. Oh, they're fresh in the memory. This, man. Is, uh, this is not a dramatically different group. Obviously, you swap out one uh, malcontent for the other. But, man, like, what were they up? Were they up 3-1 against the Hawks? Yeah. Yeah. And no, 2-1. They were up 2-1 against the Hawks. Well, yeah, well, that's true. But
0: still, like, that's a that's a team in the Hawks that, like, I mean, with all due respect, I know they went to the conference finals and everything like that. They're just not mature enough, really, for you to not be able to break them. Not, like, ultimately, you have, like, Trey Young under the basket, and you should be able to punish him. And, of course, that is the enduring image of Game 7 last year when he blew that. But it's just like you know, you should be able to go in there and, and close that team out in particular. That's a one-man team. You, you see what Miami's doing to, to the Hawks Couldn't right handle now. Kevin Herter. You definitely couldn't handle Kevin Herter. And you know what? Honestly, I was looking at them defensively, and they couldn't handle Precious Achua. So if you're the Sixers, I was expecting some sort of adjustment between Game 4 and 5. Because Game 4, I thought the Raptors played this all-big lineup, and it really worked for them, right? And you would think, okay, if you're Doc Rivers and the coaching staff, all you're doing for the next two days is get in the film room, trying to figure out how to beat this lineup. Because you know it's coming. You know Fred's already out for the series. The only option the Raptors have is to go with their 6-9 lineups. And then the game five happened last night, and there were literally no adjustments. In fact, they played even worse. Now, of course, some of that is the Sixers didn't make some shots or whatever, but ultimately, if you're asking Matisse Dibble to make shots... You're asking Jarl Embiid
3: with no legs to make a long shot. If also, asking- the, the Raptors shot 26% on threes. Yeah. It's kind not of like the Raptors shot the lights out, and this is a three-point shooting variance yeah. game. It's not like that first Cavs sweep where it was like, well, Channing Fry can't possibly stay this hot.
0: <laughs> Let's just keep leaving them open. Yeah. And Kyle Corbett and and uh, Jr. Smith. Um, But, no, seriously, the Raptors, that's a great point because they only had three offensive rebounds last night. They only made eight threes on 26% shooting. And they still blew out the Sixers. So and they,
3: they only had eleven free throws. Yeah. Wow. What did the Raptors shoot in two point range? Like seventy percent. Thirty four for fifty one. So yeah. Oh no. my god. Yeah, a little wow. under sixty eight percent. Damn. The six nine lineup shot
0: at six nine percent.
3: That's the percentage. <laughs> no, but seriously though, like if you're the Sixers, yeah. The big thing was what are you twenty points. Sorry. Yeah. The big thing was twenty points off of turnovers was the big thing, and like. Okay the way we set up the series and we talked about the adjustments last week is like, you've got to win at least one of those things, right? You got to win the offensive rebounding or you got to win the turnovers. And ideally both because you're not, you're just not going to score points per possession wise at the same rate Philly is in the half court mm-hmm. over a large sample. So you got to do one of those things and yeah, doubling up Philly on points off of turnovers is a pretty good way to do it. And so that's where I'd be. If I'm Doc Rivers, that's where I'm looking for adjustments, right? Is, is, James Harden, after one turnover in the opener, has 17 over the last four games. Mm. Joel Embiid has four in that game last night and has looked pretty uncomfortable with the thumb yeah. passing out of those double teams and traps and stuff like that. So that's where I'm looking to try to redesign. It's like, you, we're five games in. You know where the extra attention is coming from against this Raptors team. Now, the Raptors do a good job disguising it in terms of like, hey, it's coming from here this time or it's going to be, you know, the, the help comes... From this angle or this timing, you know, sometimes it's on the catch. Sometimes it's on the first dribble. Sometimes it's before your spot, whatever. But the 76ers know the game plan, and it's not to not be aggressive. So you've got to find ways to, whether it's, you know, having guys who cut immediately into Embiid's passing space when he gets a post entry so he doesn't have to put the ball on the ground and you just catch it up here and then immediately make the the pass to a cutter or if he decides then to go with it, he's made that decision to go with it. I have less of an idea what you do with Harden because the Raptors have scaled back how much they're helping off of strong side shooters on Harden yep. to guard him more one-on-one, and Harden has not made them pay for it yet. Yeah. And without him doing that, whether that's free throws or step backs or whatever, I don't know. Like, I, I know what you can do to try to get Embiid involved in more creative ways, DHOs, the quick cuts and stuff like that. I don't know how you get Harden going more because he just doesn't have that burst. Like, even if you use him in pick and roll more, yeah. I don't know that he's turning the corner when the Raptors can switch so much. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, that's one of the big
0: keys, right? When we talk about the six line, line up, the reason we talk about it so much is because of the fact that you can shuffle these rotations. So, you know, uh, man, James Harden's out there. Scottie's the main defender. You got a screen. P- Pascal's on him. Then you got another screen. You know, Precious Achua's on him. Like, he's not doing anything against any of those guys like this is like the exact matchup that James Harden struggles with unless he's going to like bait you in the fouls and the Raptors over the like how, how much can you over the course of seven games are you gonna get bait, baited by the same fouls eventually you're gonna learn specifically the hard way you're gonna get burnt enough times that you're not gonna keep your hands up you're not gonna reach in. you're gonna let him drive into you because you can trust your foot speed it's gonna match his foot speed and honestly if he gets to the rim someone's gonna come over and help and that's the only time they're going to help is when he gets to the rim and someone's going to stand right there to either take the charge or come up and try to force him to shoot over the top of length. He hasn't been able to do that. I'm not surprised, quite frankly, that the Raptors have progressively done a better job against him over the series.
3: Yeah, and there are a couple of ways he can make you pay, right, beyond the free throw line or or to get you jumping out at those step backs. And the big one is shoot those at volume and shoot them effectively. He's averaging 2.2 threes per game. The Raptors will let it – if you – if you told the Raptors, James, hey, you're going to guard James Harden one-on-one, and he's only going to hit 2.2 threes a game, mm-hmm. even if it's on, what is it, 38%, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So if you're talking about the avoiding the fouls and stuff, and let, let's be honest, for the series still, Philly has the second-highest free throw rate in the playoffs. Only Minnesota's gotten the line more. Mm. They're still getting their free throws. It's just the Raptors have progressively gotten more disciplined with it or, or yeah. better. And yeah, the whistles changed a little bit game after game two, but... <laughs> I, I don't They're allowing defense to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also the Raptors have been a lot better defensively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they've cleaned up a lot of stuff where they were late to push and beat off his spots. Or they were letting him get transition seals or, you know, the help was just like, like, think back to game one. Some of those Tobias Harrison, Dady Green threes is like James Harden was on autopilot against where that help was coming from and the timing and stuff like that. Yeah. And the Raptors have gotten a lot better and more disciplined at that. And that's how you end up sending a team to the line less. It's like, yeah, the whistle changed, but also you played much better defense.
0: Yeah. And honestly, having watched this version of James Harden very closely now for the five games, there's something about him where I don't ever get the element of like unpredictableness or like the element of surprise from him. Like, it's very calculated. Like, you can almost predict how the the, the possession will go. He's going to dribble depending on which way you're going to angle him. He might drive. He might step back. You know, if you give him a little bit of room, if you give him a small defender, he'll probably step back. Otherwise, he's going to drive. If you send help early, he'll give the pass up and he'll pass it. He's a willing passer. But otherwise, he's going to drive in and, and shoot something contested. And it's not... I don't know. It's not like um, he's he's beating you with something that um, you can't consistently stop, which is real interesting to me because one of the focuses was obviously on Joel saying after the game, he was asked about James Harden only taking 11 shots. And he's like, I've been saying all season since he got here, you got to take more shots. You got to be more aggressive. And that's something for the coaching staff to address too. But like, to me, I'm thinking about like, Okay, so let's say the Sixers take that to heart. And let's say James Harden takes Joel's words to heart. What does a more aggressive version of James Harden look like? Because the only thing for me when I'm looking at it, if you want him to scale up his production, probably more sidestep threes. I think the three-point volume definitely but, comes up. But that comes at the expense of creating for your team. Mm-hmm. Like if he's not driving the ball and collapsing your defense and he's just taking contested sidestep threes and he goes from taking five of them a game to ten of them a game, he might individually hit one or two more p- shots, and he might get a scoring twenty points finally. But it's
3: not creating anything for anybody else, especially because they don't even get on the offensive glass either. And, and let's be honest, Joel Embiid's not going to be happy with that. If that, like, yeah, like Embiid wants more out of Harden, which he he absolutely should. But if it's Embiid standing around at the elbow while Harden on the other side of the floor does step backs, like that's not. That's not good. That's not good to keep Joel Embiid in rhythm. And then if the Raptors eventually have to adjust to that, you've got a bunch of shooters around them who aren't in rhythm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you can think back to, I go back to this a lot, but the James Harden Rockets, when we saw Nick Nurse use those extreme, extreme defenses. And as the game went along, That got less effective, but it wasn't less effective because they were doing a worse job on Harden. It seems to be, and maybe this is anecdotal or like backfitting what happened, but it seemed like the Rockets support players got more and more comfortable taking those shots and knowing that they were going to be open and knowing where the passes are going to come from. If James Harden is suddenly just chucking because he's getting one-on-one and they want a more aggressive one, I don't know that that's a good thing for their overall offensive ecosystem. The other thing is like, he is not really got to the rim at a James Harden rate in this series, or honestly, before the before uh he got traded to Philadelphia as well. Like he's he's not old old, but he's no longer like thirty eight, forty percent of my field goal attempts are coming at the rim. Like yeah, yeah. he's more of Etwan Moore with a beard when it comes to oh, driving. Jesus Christ. I mean, I, mean I, I at least said he was Lou Williams with a beard. Yeah, I mean, look, he's more with the beard. 90th percentile uh, yeah. floater range per cleaning the glass right now. So it's been a lot of that. Um, and obviously he's better than that. Like, would it surprise anyone if Harden comes out and scores 30 in the next game? I'd be a little surprised. It would be. I'd be a little surprised, a little surprised. how this series would go, but it's still yeah. James Harden, right? Like, we're not that far removed from James Harden being one of the most heliocentric offensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would be much less surprised if Joel Embiid is the one who drags them kicking and screaming to a win.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, that's what's going to come down to is that this is a team that's going to have to be carried by Joel on both ends. And Mm -hmm. to me, you could look at the tactics and everything like that. You can look at the play calls, the way, what spots he's on the floor, which kind of shots he was taking. And to be fair, he did miss a lot of wide open threes yesterday. But I think the overwhelming impression I get from Joel in that game five was that guy looks tired. Just tired physically. Um, He wasn't beating a lot of guys out. I mean, the opportunities where he was very successful was he would post up, get the ball out. They would swing the ball around. Maybe they get an open three, maybe not. But then he would repost, get even deeper position, catch the ball, make a make a basket, get foul or whatever. Very effective at that because, quite frankly, the Raptors have nobody strong enough to hold them up off the ball. When he wants to repost like that, he'd be aggressive. Just even without
3: – forget the thumb injury and everything like that. Just him using his body and his strength, he can get a lot of scoring just off of that. And he causes a lot of confusion for a defense of, like, say he posts up on the left block and yeah. kicks it out, and then he just kind of does that shuffle across to the right block – While the Raptors, the way they're playing that matchup, sometimes that's a switch. At the very least, it's a change in your trap and blitz coverages, right? Mm -hmm. Like that the base goes coming from the other side, or it's a, you know, suddenly the guy you thought was on the weak side is now the strong side help if Embiid gets that post back. And then really he's just like he's so physically dominant that if he gets post position in one spot and he decides to do his little shuffle to the other side, he's gonna get really deep position. And the Raptors have done a better and better job over the course of the series limiting that. There was like one stretch of play last night where he got a couple in a row in transition where he got he got sealed yep. deep. One was for a, a bucket and one where like the pass came in over top of Thad, mm-hmm. and then the other one he was in position for an offensive rebound. It was his only putback of the game. Um, but yeah, the Raptors have done a, a better job of that. And I don't know. It seems frustrating if you're Embiid, and honestly, the thumb thing it appears to be affecting his passing more than anything. So if you're if he's constantly having to get reposted and stuff like that, and you're making him make those passes or or put the ball on the floor to to dig out low a lower position, I don't know, maybe all that stuff adds up. Yeah, but also I think he just looks tired. Yeah, and the, look
0: just, like he, he he can get look, what we're describing. Like it takes a lot of hard work. It genuinely does. You got to take some pounding. The Raptors are going to have multiple defenders to throw at him. All this other stuff. But if he does it for the whole course of the game, Raptors aren't going to deny him. Man, he's he's that good. But he gets tired. Like you saw in the third quarter, I've never seen a team intentionally say their game plan is let's go ISO Joel Embiid. And that's what the Raptors did. I know some of it, it's like, okay, well, he's guarding the screener and you want to get him involved. and he's Five buckets him. in a row. Yeah. And it's like Precious gets him a whole bunch of times. OG gets a dunk. Precious, or Pascal gets a running layup. And it's like he's not even moving on that. And that's the thing for the Sixers. I think that's probably like in addition to the physical fatigue, you're probably a little mentally fatigued when you're Joel Embiid and you're like, okay, Anybody else gets beat on the perimeter, I got your help. I'm coming over to rotate. I got you. James Harden's not going to move his body physically unless it's offensively. Then I'm going to come over and help you. Don't worry about it. Tobias Harris, you got blown by. I got you. Danny Green, I got you. Who's got Joel Embiid? Because when Joel Embiid gets strung out to the perimeter and he's attacking and someone beats him, I mean, fine. Any any player in the NBA is going to get beat eventually sometime offensively. Where's your team? Where's your helpline defense? Sixers don't have that. No. And for him, that's gotta be so demoralizing because he's always there for other guys. And
3: And honestly, but, like their yeah. next best guy at that kind of assignment is probably Paul Reed, and they don't they oh, don't man. play them together. That and, guy fumbles a lot of passes. Yeah, well watch it. It's the G League MVP you're talking about. Oh. B ball Paul. Uh technical foul last night too. Frustrated B ball Paul in those yeah. close up minutes. But the MB fatigue thing, like I know we assume a lot of the times, hey, in the postseason, stars are gonna play more and, and the rotations will shrink and things will look different. Joel Embiid averaged a career high in minutes per game this year, and it was 33.8. He is averaging 40 minutes a game in this playoff series so far. He's never come close to that, even in the playoffs. Last year, he averaged under 33 minutes a game. Um, The year that they got swept, it was 36. The year that he faced the Raptors in the playoffs, um, and some of that was like he was sick and banged up and stuff like that. He averaged 30 minutes a game. He's averaged under 34 minutes a game for his career in the postseason. This is not like asking Joel Embiid to play 40 minutes is something that he just hasn't been asked to do. And I don't even think it's a conditioning thing. The dude's almost 300 pounds. He played 40 minutes in a game four times all season. And now you're asking him to do it every game. Yeah and yeah i mean it is funny looking at the game logs of who he did against he did against orlando and charlotte were two of the teams he did against why i don't i don't really understand but um he certainly wasn't putting up like 16 point games he had 35 plus in all of those games yeah Damn, imagine I, I just, I don't know, man. He's almost 300 pounds. Like you can't, he's probably, gonna, he's just tired. Period. There's a I limit mean, to how much you can play a guy that size and that physical. Yeah. And we saw,
0: you know, with, with dog. Okay. So the start of the fourth quarter, the Raptors go with one of their strongest lineups. Pascal's yep. out there. They're making a run two minutes in and Joel Embiid has to come off the bench again. And yep. listen, you can do this with Pascal Siakam, not only because Pascal was better conditioned, not only because Pascal was just like, I mean, just look at him, man. He looks like a long distance marathon runner. Yeah. And not only that, Nick Nurse has played these guys heavy minutes all season, so they know they they're, on, like, they're ready
3: to do this. Pascal might be the best conditioned player in the NBA,
0: Honestly. At this point, with yeah, how many just minutes never they
3: looks play, tired. And yeah. So and, and you know he's attacking the defense all the time. But my point is,
0: like, they had to bring in Joel early, and then you get overextended. But then, so I'm thinking about from the Sixers' side, what do you do to adjust? Are you introducing another player into the rotation, like? What can Doc do? Because to me, I'm got, trying to get the feeling that, like, maybe the reason he didn't make many adjustments between Game 4 and Game
3: 5 is he drawing dead a little bit. Yeah, you used that term on our show this morning, and it stuck with me. Is like, what do you, personnel-wise, what is the move? Yeah. Because you're coming back here from Game 6, and Thibel's been bad in this series, but he's still a guy. I don't know, man. The Sixer fans were booing Thibel in the second yeah. quarter. But, like, your bench right now is George Niang, Paul Reed, and Shake Milton. You don't use Furkan Corkmaz because he's Firkin an Korkmaz. even bigger <laughs> liability defensively than Jordan yeah. Yang is. Uh-huh. Um, you don't use Isaiah Joe because this is this is actually something that Sixers fans were mad at a lot of the year, and I think is is really legitimate. Is they just never gave Isaiah Joe a shot to like see? It's like okay, this guy can hit every three imaginable, but we're never gonna play him real minutes to see if he can hold up. Mm. But it's also if you're turning to Isaiah Joe in a playoff series, yeah, what are you doing? Like man? that's not a great thing. The one counter that he has personnel-wise that we haven't seen yet, and I think the Raptors would be thrilled if he did it, but you could try DeAndre Jordan in the bench minutes instead of Paul Reed. Let's try DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, you're right. Because Paul Reed, the Paul Reed minutes had been good, and Paul Reed himself has been good, at least defensively and on the glass. They were minus 11 in those minutes last night. Mm. I do wonder if Doc tries the DeAndre Jordan thing and just says, look, we're going to get every single – we can't score with Embiid off the floor. We're going to get every single rebound. Mm. And maybe that's what he tries as a counter. If I'm the Raptors – uh, Hey, listen. Bro. Um, oh, yeah. I love, Chris, I Boucher, love hearing this. Chris Boucher with the idea of having to out-hustle DeAndre Jordan. Boucher, yep. uh, that's uh, – I know he loves Blake Murphy Tuesdays as it is. He's hearing this, and he's uh, rubbing his no. hands together – uh he's yeah looking
0: at that man like a mary brown's uh <laughs> <laughs> menu man this yeah, guy said i'm yeah. gonna elevate the prize to, to taters no but seriously um but who else are you going
3: to personnel wise they don't
0: <sighs> yeah i mean that might just be on darren mori like
3: i don't know he's like relatively new to the situation he hasn't had enough time to build a whole roster but you still gave up like you lost seth curry and picks in the simmons harden swap like that yeah. at the time looked like ooh, your depth i don't know no, they're, they're, they they don't have any depth. Like
0: they they have four guys in in the series that are really good for them, and quite frankly, those four guys have performed really well. Tob- mm-hmm. uh, Tobias has been excellent throughout. Maxi has been quieting off of late, but you know he's still very much a threat out there. And then you have James Harden and Joel Embiid. After that, you really
3: got to live and die on Danny Green. Yeah, and Danny and, was living yesterday. And it's strictly four threes. yeah, Danny's strictly a like if the shots are dropping. He's a slight positive, and if they're not, he's a slight negative. Like, that's the band that he exists in now. He's not a good enough defender anymore where it's like, oh, even when the threes aren't dropping, he could be a positive. Um, That's not to say he's a big negative because he's still smart and fundamentally sound and stuff like that and knows the team concepts and uh, provides spacing. But when the threes aren't dropping, you know, he's just not really offering anything at the other end of the floor. Yeah. It's tough. And, and like, it's it's a little weird to do this analysis and be like, oh, the 76ers are so thin. They only have seven or eight guys that you could trust. And we look over at the Raptors' minutes last oh, night. They don't even have seven.
0: They have four. They have exactly four guys that they can trust. Yeah. And the Raptors have at least seven right now.
3: Yeah. And eight if you include Ken Burch, who's being trusted for the, hey, you don't want to get Precious Achua or Chris Boucher in foul trouble to start games. Yeah.
0: It's also like, Just my get- theory with this is at the start of the game, Jaws is going to have the most energy. At the start of the halftime, he's going to have the most energy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just take the little hits. You take the banging. He's probably going to be more physical in those minutes. And then after the rest of the game, you know you're not going to play Kim like yeah. that. Unless you're, you really need some size to, like, rebound for a key possession or something. He's your best screener, too. He's your best screener, too. He's going to free up a couple guys. And quite frankly, I love the way Kim was scoring offensively yesterday. That approach offensively is, I think, exactly what the role you want to see from Kim. Okay, you're going to park him in the corner, wide open for three. The, the kickout's going to go to him. Take that three. I see him knock that thing down all the time in warm-ups. I, I understand. Warm-ups don't mean what happens in the regular in, in the game. But if I see you make 15 straight corner threes, I'd, I want to see you at least attempt one. Like you're I mean, listen, if Matisse Tyball is taking three threes, like can you take one? Right. And he finally was able to knock that down. He's able to cut inside for a little putback. He was able to 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 get the roll dunk there. And and that's all I need from Kem because you absorb that first hit and then you bring in your guys. And man, precious Achua. Can we okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go to break after this, but can we just do a quick two, three minutes on Precious Achua's improvements as a score because the start of the season, he was legitimately, as a center, shooting in the 30s percentage-wise yeah. on two-point shots. And last night, he's six of six from the field. At least four or five of those are directly against Joel Embiid, and he got him on an up fake and, and went to the free-throw line and knocked down both. It's
3: wild. He shot. <laughs> it's so wild. Even with the in-season improvements that he made over the course of the year, he shot 59% at the rim this year. He's at seventy nine percent in this series okay. that's very very strong and then really, if you're precious to Chua, you don't need to do anything other than that like it's cool that you can knock down some threes but all the raptors really need out of that position is you could finish plays around the rim yep. now who knew that the secret was instead of passing it to him in those spots you just let him dribble into those spots oh, okay. himself and suddenly the the everything gets finished <laughs> uh-huh. uh he's been he's been awesome and like we saw. We saw the growth over the course of the year. Like I made the comment a couple times on Twitter and on either this show or, or the Fan Morning Show of, "Hey, if the Most Improved Player Award was actually like who improved the most in season, Precious would have a real case at it um, because who he was at the end of the '82 versus who he was at the start of the year. Like this guy was in and out of the rotation at the start, or, or his role was fluctuating a lot. Yeah. And some days it was like, I don't know, do you play him? Today, depending on the matchup and depending on how he'd been. And then by the end of the year, it was unquestioned. Like we were he was in pen in the playoff rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And in pen as you want him guarding one of the two or three best players on the other team. And now he's added the finishing element too. It's 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 pretty incredible. And you know, you do wonder a little bit, is that gonna carry over into the playoffs? Because he's only 22. Sure. He hasn't played in the playoffs before. He didn't he didn't play in the postseason with Miami last year. And Ostensibly, Philly would have a book on him and know what they can or should take away from him uh maybe they just didn't do their homework. I don't know, but I think it says a lot that this kid who and he's he is a kid he's twenty two years old mm-hmm. um who's made a ton of progress this year, is completely unfazed by the moment and is like even doing the like I know he wasn't super confident in doing it, but the like pre hyping Jurassic Park up for game six sure, and yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: uh it's great i think it I think it's a really big positive for the Raptors that. Three of their youngest guys in OG, Precious, and Scotty Barnes don't seem to care that these are elimination playoff games. Yeah. They don't seem to notice. Um, Gary, that, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, also yeah. another young guy. Yeah. And then as Pascal continues to figure out these matches, Pascal just turned into – he's the best player in back-to-back games that had Joel Embiid on the floor. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we, and we, we don't even bring James Harden into this conversation.
0: No. He's not even part of this conversation. No,
3: he's getting outscored by OG in the series.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Pascal Siakam. I'm your host, Wolu. That's uh Blake Murphy. You're listening to the Raptor Show Powered by DoorDash on SportsNet 590 the Fan. Welcome back to the Raptor Show Powered by DoorDash on SportsNet 590 The Fan. I'm your show. I'm your host. Well, Lou, I can hear me join. <laughs> I'm your show? I, I mean, essentially, I, I guess it is. Um, uh, you got thrown <laughs> off
3: by Mims coming in here, eh? You were, you were taken back to, what did this have been, 2008-ish? Might be even earlier, to You're be honest. You just in elementary school?
0: I was not in elementary school. I was <laughs> in high school in 2008. Uh, I continue to be joined <laughs> by Blake Murphy, Fan Morning Show. So, okay, before going we to break, promised that we were going to talk about Pascal because I think lots than all of this is like, look, the Sixers are amazing uh, at, at creating content for everyone to slander them, and it's all about them. And, you know, quite frankly, it is, it's it is, but it's also really about the Raptors, right? And, like, Pascal, the way he's played the last two games, and, and I think it's just given me so much optimism in terms of just if you're going to move forward with this sort of 6-9 strategy and the forwards and everything like that, and, and you have Pascal at the top of all that, I mean – I know we talked about the All-NBA kind of stuff this year, but, like, it's so exciting to me, man, because defensively, you know the Raptors are going to do well, but offensively, we're going to generate offense. And looking at Pascal yesterday, it was like the Sixers played him as good as you could
3: possibly play him, really, a lot of the time, and he was just beating them over and over again with that mid-range jumper. The last two games have been so not even encouraging. Encouraging isn't even the word. Like, affirming, I guess, for what we thought we saw in terms of growth from Siakam this year, where I'll be honest, I was pretty low. After game three, I thought he had a bad game. By his own admission, he stopped being aggressive in the second half. I didn't even mind that you shot poorly. It was that you didn't, you know, you almost went hard in there with only a couple field goal attempts in the second half and Mm -hmm. overtime. The response has been incredible where not only has he been the best player in each of the last two games, he's been the best player in two very different ways where game four, he comes out and he's just unstoppable as a scorer. There was a stretch in the fourth quarter I think it was the fourth quarter. He drew free throws against five different 76ers defenders mm. in one quarter. The refs had one job to do out there last night, and they did it. Yeah, it was make Pascal Siakam a star. <laughs> no. Uh, if you get like, this, that game, the 76ers were like, okay, well, our response to you scoring on us like this is we're just going to throw a different guy at you every time down the floor. Mm-hmm. And Siakam's response was, okay, I don't care who it is. I'm getting to the rim, and I'm getting to the free throw line. And then you look at Game 5 and Philly's response then instead, the adjustment they make is, well, we're not going to throw different guys at you every time necessarily. We're going to throw multiple guys at you, and we're going to you know, collapse the paint a little bit. And he gets 23 points really efficiently. He hits a couple of those long twos. He hits a couple threes. Doesn't really get to the free throw line, but that's in large part because once the defense collapsed, he was making all the right reads out of it. Mm-hmm. He had seven assists to two turnovers in that game. I don't. I'm going to look up the numbers once you start talking here. He must have had at least a couple secondary assists as well. There's the one play that stands out in the fourth quarter where the defense collapses and he dumps it off to Scotty Barnes, who is like, Scotty's like cut into his Mm space and then makes the kick out to Gary Trent for a three. And it's like Scotty, you know. Credit to him. That's a great read of like, hey, Pascal doesn't have the passing lane because of the length around him. I'm going to cut to give him an easier passing outlet and then I'll make the pass. And, you know, they should almost get co-assists on that. Um, Scotty gets credit with the assist, but that's another great Pascal read. So to go back to back of you can't put a single defender on me that I can't cook. And then the next game, you can't put a scheme against me that I can't make the right read against and make the right play against and play comfortably against. I it's hard to imagine two better games back to back than the two he just put up where we're talking 57 points very on 36 field goal attempts and 12 assists to five turnovers over Damn. the last two games. And last night it was ethical too. Only two, two ethical. only
0: two free throw attempts that he split them. You know, and and listen, um for Pascal like this is what we have wanted to see all year. We've seen this all year from him. And so we, when it didn't happen in Game 3, I think there was, like, a, definitely an overreaction to it. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't blame people because you have baggage, right? Like, you you look at the bubble and it's like, okay, this is your first time going to playoffs since then. Like, what are you going to do? And when you saw that in Game 3, you're like, well, this might just be who he is. But no, this is who he is. The last two games, the way he's performed, of course, he's got to keep doing it. You know, of course, as you mentioned, it's really encouraging to see him beat the defense in two ways. I, I think to me the bigger picture is like okay, so you have a guy now who's your six nine point guard. You can trust him to run your whole entire offense. You can play the whole game. He's not going to get tired. He's going to play defense on the other end too. There's no drop off on that front, and he's going to rebound. Obviously, he's going to score. So you're looking at a guy who, let's say, you put him in this role all season, and you're trusting him to be the point guard. You're, you're putting all these forwards around him. You're getting him on the run. Can he not average something like, you know, twenty five seven and seven for a year? And if you average something like twenty five seven or seven, which is this, like honestly, Pascal Harper get more rebounds than seven, maybe assists, maybe it comes down a little bit closer to six. Is that not like a guaranteed All NBA territory? Is not is that not like if your record is that good, do you not get a list, a like a list in like a MVP conversation? You got that Demar Rosen. Well, you know he he could be fifth in the MVP race, kind of thing. Like, do we not start having those conversations when we look down the line? Because again. This is there's nothing that he did the last two games that doesn't feel unsustainable, that doesn't feel unrealistic. He's been doing this for the whole second half of the entire season for the Raptors. That's why we came for him
3: for all NBA because he deserved it. And all all he did in the last two games was show exactly what he's been doing all year. It's really great. And I I don't disagree with you. The only thing I could see is like, hey, you're talking about maybe he's the head of this, you know, vision six nine offensively. The only thing I could see, and this is not going to be a knock on Siakam, is like maybe you decide you want to funnel some extra possessions Scotty Barnes's way. And sure, yeah, like yeah you like can. If, if you look at who's going to, what the the chopping up of shots is going to be next year, it's probably Siakam and Van Vliet who have to give a little bit of theirs for Scotty Barnes's usage to come up. And, and hey, if Precious Achua needs that usage to come up a little bit too, I'm not talking an extreme shift. But I'm talking Pascal Siakam might be more of a 22-23 efficiently guy than a 27 guy. The seven rebounds and seven assists, uh, the rebounds I'd, I'd lock in right now, like he averaged eight and a half this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the it seems like the less he has the ball, the more willing he is to, to crash. He averaged 5.3 assists this year. I don't see why that couldn't tick upward. And, yeah. and like some of the lessons from this year and this playoff series are, hey, this offense in the half court consistently looks better when Fred's more of an off the ball guy. I know he's had some some really nice point guard games, mm-hmm. but he's also your best shooter. And if you can use him more dynamically off the ball because Pascal and Scotty Barnes are, are such good playmakers, that's a there's a pretty good case for that. And he's averaging, what has he got? Seven. 28 assists over five games in the series. So he's at 5.6 a game yep. uh, in this series as well. I maybe and It's s- not like the Raptors shooting really lights off from three. No, they shot two of 10 on Pascal passes last night on threes. Are you serious? Yeah, two of 10. So Please. you could at least on an average night say, well, okay, well, one more assist. And he had that secondary assist that I mentioned. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that – I mean, not even it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's very likely that what we see next year is a Pascal Siakam who has – a somewhat similar stat line, just more efficiently and in a way where you mm. feel more comfortable about it. The later a game goes, yeah, where there aren't the questions about what's he going to do if a defense adjusts because he's showing you right now. And game three, his game two was just okay too, but yeah. game one he was good, and game four and five he's been the best player in a playoff series. Yeah, no, and and
0: the reason I'm bringing this up is because like I'm just thinking about like across the league, what kind of guys win these awards what kind of guys are brought up in these conversations and it's all always like the star wing who can guard anybody who can come in and handle the, the entire offense for you he can do the scoring for you he can draw fouls you can he can set guys up and make other guys better and that's that's what i'm seeing out of pascal consistently um this season and and that's why i was disappointed after game three i think it was totally reasonable to be but games four and five he's shown it and listen his job is not done He's got to make sure he does it two more times in this series and then, you know, uh, going forward in the playoffs and beyond that if the Raptors get through here. But he's been great. And um, I think the other conversation to naturally have, too, is just because I already see a lot of people jumping the gun. It's like, well, if Pascal's going to be your point guard and Scotty's going to be your future, like, you know, off-ball point guard kind of thing, which he's already essentially doing secondary point guard, I guess would be the phrase, where does that leave Fred? And I think for a lot of people they are looking at it, well, like, well, Fred's not available. Now the Raptors are winning two games in a row. And even the stats, quite frankly, I thought uh, Haralabob tweeted out it was like the Raptors were giving like 1.29 points per possession with Fred on the floor. Like, obviously, defensively, it wasn't tenable. Like, let's have that Fred conversation.
3: Yeah, so this isn't a great series for Fred VanVleet overall because Philadelphia is a team with a lot of size and a lot of length. And the guy who's like size to him is Tyrese Maxey, who has a huge speed and burst advantage on him. We were, when we did our kind of state of the defense after game two on the show, and we (laughs) redraw the whole defense. And we redrew things up. One of the moves we did was we put length on Tyrese Maxey. And I can't remember if we settled on Fred on Tobias Harris or Fred on Danny Green. But basically it was like, put him on a guy where he, yeah, you're going to lose something on the closeout length, but someone he can help off of or dare to take into the post or something like that. Yeah, And that's fine. It's a little tough to have an all-defense caliber guy who runs into the odd matchup where he doesn't have a natural spot. But Fred Healthy would still be a plus in this series. He's a guy who takes 10 threes a game and hits almost 40% of them. This isn't a series for 50% of Fred VanVleet. And the hip injury especially, and I know like it's a new injury, but he's been dealing with it, and he was healthy, but the knee thing before. However, that all shakes out. He clearly wasn't himself. He ripped his jersey in half knowing that, like, the burst was gone. He didn't have the ability to push off with that hip. He didn't have the ability to slide laterally nearly quick enough. So, yeah, of course it looks a little better without him out there right now because he was hobbled. Bigger picture, this is a guy who has two years and $43 left on his contract. That's that's an unbelievably good contract. Yes. Even if Fred Van Vliet is not all-star Fred Van Vliet. Let's say you're pessimistic about Fred moving forward and you're like, okay, I I don't want him to be the main point guard anymore. And I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I just say, let's say you're that negative.
0: We know you are friends with Fred. That's all good. He's going to text you after the show. He's going to be like, Blake, why are you doing this to me?
3: A shooting guard who takes 10 threes a game and hits (laughs) 38% of them. You know what they're getting in free agency? Two years, 43 million at least. At least. I was going to say. Like what did Duncan Robinson just get? Like 472? Yeah. And Fred VanVleet can play defense. He's going to make all defense. Yeah. And, a- like, yeah, there are, like, two or three teams in the league that it's, it's you know, Fred's defensive value comes down to, okay, A, you're the smartest guy on the floor, which helps the the rest of the team get organized. And, B, look, your role against Philly might be you got to dig down on Embiid a lot and use those heavy hands to try to poke balls for you. And that's your utility on that end when you're you're banged up. The bigger question to me is, like, if you're the front office and you're Nick Nurse— what does his workload look like next yes. year? Because he's still the beauty of Fred Van Vliet, and, and this was something that was so great about Kyle Lowry too, it was you could change the roster around Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry can find where he fits in that and change his game to shape to fit that. I think Fred can do the same. If you sit down with Fred and be like, we don't need you taking 17 shots a game anymore, um, because we want to diversify the offense a little bit and we want you to focus on, you know, hey, we're gonna add a little a little Reddick stuff to your package. We're going to add a little Steph relocation stuff to to your shot mix um, to really get that three-point shooting up. I think that's a conversation you can have with Fred pretty intelligently, and he can see the vision, right? Like, he plays with Pascal. He plays with Scotty Barnes. Yeah, of course. He watched that game. He knows how that looks. He knows where, hey, if I'm on, and I can get myself open for threes, he knows what his shooting numbers are going to look like in an environment like that. So I don't think this is anything other than a, yeah, a banged-up Fred VanVleet didn't have a place in the series. And B, maybe you don't consider Fred your all-star, quote-unquote, moving forward. But, man, is he a heck of a complimentary piece to what you're building here. And that he doesn't have the contract of an all-star anyway. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. The
0: conversation, I don't like having this one because I think people are such, like, they're very petty in the moment. Um, someone in the chat pointed this out. People who are... <laughs> trying to throw away Fred right now, the same people who were trying to throw away Pascal after game three. Oh, yeah, like,
3: the one guy who's always in my mentions and tried to trade Pascal for Mo Bamba in my mentions earlier in the year and now is, like, trying to line. trying to do victory laps about Fred. It's like, buddy, if you had your way, there'd be no one left on the roster. Is that Jeff Weltman? Is that, is that <laughs> who's trying to make this trade? Uh, isn't Mo also a free agent? Anyway, um,
0: look, with Fred, it's it's two things. Number one, he's super banged up. Like, you could just tell he's just so banged. He said the other day he felt something pop, mm-hmm. right? So that's really concerning. First and foremost, you want to see him healthy. That is not going to allow you to perform at your very best, especially when you have very little margin for error, right, at that size. Joel B can play banged up. The guy's still seven foot tall, right? It's a bad thumb, whatever. He can still perform. The other part of it is it is also a bit of a bad matchup in the sense that it's a better matchup for you to put more length on the floor, and, and cross the board and you can, you know, slow... You've seen the effect of what, what's gone on in Tyrese Maxey. I think slowing down Tyrese has been, like, one of, if not the most important moments of the entire series is that he went for having 38 points in the first game. The last two games he's had 11, he's had 12,
3: right? And putting more length on him has
0: really, really helped.
3: And, and I don't even think it's just the That's length just on though. him. Yeah. It's also, like, once he starts driving there's length everywhere, right? There yeah. are just arms. I know no one can see my enormous wingspan. Cause it's a half screen right here. It's a five, this, it's is a like five a, wingspan. this is like a seven foot wingspan. Um, it's just that that's what you're driving into. Right. And, and it's a uh-huh. little, you know, you look at what that looks like when it's the Boucher precious lineup versus a lineup with Fred and Gary. Fred is a better defender than those guys. But in this particular matchup, length is really, really important. And it's uh, hey, if you move on, there's gonna be more teams that Fred Van Bleed has a lot of utility against. And Miami is one of them. If they oh, absolutely. if they were to win this series, Duncan Robinson's a guy that Fred you want you like him chasing around. Kyle Lowry is a guy that you like Fred's ability to stay with and not get burnt with the explosion advantage and stuff. So don't don't look past Fred yet because if they pull this thing off. First of all, Fred is getting a a co-coach of the year asterisk uh, because, you know, player coach of the year. Yeah. You know, he was annoying in those video rooms the last couple of days. Like, you know, he was right. Like trying to feel like he's contributing to the win still. Um, So he's getting that. But if you make it through this, you're going to need Fred Van Vliet. And you think Philly's zoning you up a lot right now? Wait oh, till man. Miami gets a hold of this spacing. Yeah. Wait till a team actually plays
0: uh, committed to defense. Has more than two defenders? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know why they're sh- re-showing angles of the Joel Embiid game no. three game. What, what are in the, we in doing the, here, in the sports studio. set? This is tough. I didn't want to see this on my television screen ever again. But, yeah, um, I
3: don't need to see Tobias Harris celebrating.
0: Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's a bad conversation to be having, Um, quite frankly. I I think the one of the things that's the, the worst part about it is is just like you have – all these guys on the team, like, they're all under team control. They all like each other. They're they're all working together in the same goal. You're also like, you're not in this position this season, not even close without Fred carrying you for, like, half the year, genuinely. Yeah, like, think about like, just the, the time. I, I, I guess, I don't What am I asking for? For people not to be yeah. petty about sports? But I mean, like, I guess that's just what we expect but now. Just but you
3: got to zoom out sometimes. And, yes, the last two games have gone better when a banged-up Fred VanVleet came out of the game. However, you're not in this spot without Fred Van Vliet being an all-star caliber player for the first two thirds of the year, and then yeah, he wore out. But him wearing out and him maybe not having the best matchup here is good information to have moving forward. This isn't the all-in championship year. Like they don't they don't need to have everything figured out and clicked right now. And again, like this is a smart front office. It's a smart coaching staff. It's a smart Fred Van Vliet. You're going to take lessons from this forward on mm-hmm. how to build. It's not. You don't need to fire up the trade machine every time someone has a good or a bad game. When they're on the same team. Who are you even trying to trade for, man? On... Anyway. Mo Bamba.
0: Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So um last couple of things here. Uh One super bit of a, a nerdy um topic here is, you know, you had mentioned last week or two weeks ago, actually, when we are looking at Head to the playoffs, you wrote this great piece back in 2019 about the Raptors having a practice squad, mm-hmm. the third the scout team, yeah. the scout team, right? And as you know, you have guys who are basically pretending to be Giannis, pretending to be Steph, pretending to be Clay Thompson. One of the things I noticed in the uh, Scottie Barnes rookie of the year uh, video, which was put out by Open Gym, and you can see it, Vince Carter hands in the trophy. There is a lot of Raptors wearing jerseys that are different colored, mm-hmm. and I know you definitely went through and looked at this. So yeah. the, the it seems like for this series, the the squad is Champagne is Tobias Harris, okay, David Johnson is James Harden. Yeah, he does have the step back footwork. Sure. Okay. Uh, Sfima Hyluk is Danny Green. Yeah. In that they both. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to make that comparison. Bonga's ba- Embiid. Bonga is envied, And I-, I don't know who the fifth guy being maxi is. I'm probably going to guess. probably?
3: I didn't see him on the screen, okay. but
0: if I had to guess, it's probably Armani.
3: Yeah, so. I would think it's Armani. Yeah. Because who else would it be? You're not going to use Malachi Flynn. Maybe Delano, but I think you want nah, someone no. different. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch the fifth jersey either. I just kind of assumed it was Armani. Me too. Although Armani would maybe make more sense as the hard – anyway.
0: Yeah, in any case – yeah, I just I, I like the idea of nerding out about these things. Yeah, it's we
3: had Malcolm Miller on the show earlier in the week, and what? he, yeah, he, oh. he. So Malcolm Miller, by the way, is the like the king of Raptors Twitter now. He oh starts live tweeting I don't, I don't the look game at Alex and everyone's like smiling in the background. He loves Malcolm yeah. Miller. Yeah, anytime I say anything on Malcolm Miller, he just. I'll tell you, man, he was a great guest. You guys should get him on for okay. some. He he gave us some good X's and O's stuff about the Embiid coverages and stuff, and then Alex Bookham. He was telling us about the the scout team stuff, and just like his point was, I mean, he went through it in the championship year, like. If you're going to make a deep playoff run, if you're going to do this, you need everyone Yeah, and everyone's going to have a different role. And it's maybe not the, you know, it's maybe not the most glamorous. Maybe you're a random guy in a suit, but random guy in a suit is, is goaded here, right? Like, like yeah, he got a ring and he, he can come eat for free uh, around the arena anytime. So um, it's, it's cool that there are ways for guys like that to contribute still. And yeah. obviously it's important. Like you can't, you have 2 days off here and you have to that scout team today is going to be spending the day anticipating what adjustments the 76ers might make mm-hmm. so that tomorrow the Raptors can go in and practice and practice against the adjustments they think the 76ers are going to make. Yeah. Which is a really easy task in this one cuz the adjustments Doc Rivers is going to make are probably none. So you're telling me that David Johnson
0: is just in Raptors practice every day doing rip throughs?
3: Yeah. <laughs> He's just like practicing in the mirror And like, then not I'm going to sho- grab your arm on the way up. And then not <laughs> shooting for the second half of practice. <laughs>
0: i love it man no seriously the the vibes are incredible right now we're gonna come back tomorrow with another show uh but for now i've been your host Will lou you've been listening to the raptor show powered by doordash on sportsnet 590 to fan uh make sure you find the raptor show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show a reminder we're streaming live on SportsNet's youtube channel and on Sportsnet 360 monday to friday between 1 and 3 p.m thanks again to my producer and co-host alex wong to our guest blake murphy to our board producer Derek brandale and jennifer we for helping us behind the scenes with the YouTube stream, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And finally, a message from our presenting sponsor. Discover the best eats of your neighborhood on DoorDash without leaving your home. So many options to choose from, and ordering is easy. For a limited time, you can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code fan 25 Fuel up for tip-off. Order today through the DoorDash app or DoorDash.com. DoorDash, delicious, delivered. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.